Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Tuesday's edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I'm your host, literally Heather. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? I hope that I find you well and happy on this fine Tuesday. Uh, For you, I have two Palmetto State Armory deals today. The first is a PSA 5.7 Rock with stainless threaded barrel in black for only $399.99. This is the deal of the day, and in stock as of the recording, it will sell out quickly. So if you've been looking to snag this one, here is your sign. The second deal is a combo deal with a PSA 16-inch rifle and a 9mm dagger, both for only $759.99. The links, as always, are in the show description. Go get armed, and for those who are already armed, get armed again. Like, buy more. You can always have more. Um, No, seriously, I really appreciate you guys. Every sale that you purchase from Palmetto State Armory with one of my links puts money back into the show so that I can continue to bring you Great snarky episodes on a daily basis. Okay, so pretty soon if you live in Illinois, though, you won't be able to listen to my morning show anymore. Illinois is soon to outlaw advertising for firearms that officials determine produces a public safety threat or appeals to children, militants, or others who might later use the weapons illegally as the state continues its quest to infringe upon your rights. Just kidding. Curb mass shootings is what they say. Obviously, I don't appeal to children, militants, or others who might later use their weapons illegally, which I am not entirely sure how I would even know that that is their intent or be able to stop them. But hey, in this country, we are held accountable for other people's actions, not our own. However, the language that officials determine produces a public safety threat is another beast altogether. It seems incredibly subjective and governmental oppression of the First Amendment. They really seem to enjoy trampling all over that one right now. Uh, Gun rights advocates say the plan, which Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker has pledged to sign into law is an unreasonably vague decree that violates not only the constitutionally protected right to own guns, but also free speech. Glad we're on the same page. The prime exhibit in Attorney General Kwame Raoul's effort is the JR-15, a smaller, lighter version of the AR-15, semi-automatic rifle advertised with the tagline, get them one like yours, which totally makes me want to go buy one for my daughter. Uh, The maker says it's deliberately made smaller with added safety features to fit younger shooters as they learn from adults how to safely maneuver such a weapon. The key word there is safely. Teaching children firearms safety would be a good thing, I'd think, for these people, but no. Uh, Raul says it's marketed to children and potentially entices them to skip the adult supervision and just start firing. 
Opening the door to court challenges is part of ongoing efforts by Democratic lawmakers who control the state house to eliminate gun violence, made more complicated by the Supreme Court's expansion of gun rights a year ago. Pritzker also signed a ban on semi-automatic weapons this year, a law that gun right advocates continue to challenge in federal court as they should, not to mention a laundry list of sheriffs who refuse to enforce it due to its unconstitutionality. Illinois would be the eighth state to approve legislation that allows such lawsuits against firearm manufacturers or distributors. The legislation comes after the deadliest six months of mass killings recorded since at least 2006, all but one of which involved guns. Well, I mean, when you only allow the criminals to arm themselves, that's what will happen. Raul finds precedent in the 25-year-old settlement with large tobacco companies and more recently with advertising for vaping. We've gone after the marketing that has historically driven up the consumption by minors for those products that are harmful to them, Raul said. The firearms industry shouldn't be immune to the standards that we put on other industries. Except other industries don't produce constitutionally protected products. Um, Raul said he doesn't have any gun makers in the so-called crosshairs. It's not our interest to go fishing. A violation of the law could draw a $50,000 fine, but more important to the attorney general is the possibility of a court-ordered injunction. Still, Raul hopes the law deters questionable practices and no legal action is necessary. New York, New Jersey, Delaware, Washington, California, Hawaii, and Colorado have all adopted similar plans. Listen to the name of those states. The shooting sports group has filed federal lawsuits in all but Colorado, and none of them have been settled. Despite the court action, the laws are in effect everywhere but New Jersey, which has barred implementation for members of the shooting sports group, according to the Brady campaign, which has intervened on behalf of defendants in each case. Of course they have. Oliva and other critics mocked the proposal's, quote, reasonable controls standard defined as reasonable procedures, safeguards, and business practices. Democrats who have a poor track record winning legislation to stop gun violence are simply asking the courts for help, the Todd said Todd Vandermeide, a former lobbyist in Springfield for gun rights groups. They're coming in the back door, attempting to bankrupt the industry by running up their legal bills while they're playing with free money. The bill's House sponsor, Democratic Rep. Jennifer Gongershowitz of Glenview, emphasized that the measure does not cherry-pick firearms for business deception or fraud. This doesn't single out the firearms industry, Gong Gershowitz said. There's a hyphen in there. Make sure you get it right. It just makes very clear the firearm industry is also prohibited, like every other industry, from engaging in unfair or deceptive sales and marketing. I'm not sure how anything that was described so far was unfair or deceptive. It seems that it's all accurate. Um... 
Anyway, next up, in the end, there really was a silk road of money that flowed from China to the Biden family's coffers. In spite of Joe Biden's insistence to the contrary, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware, which charged Hunter Biden with tax and gun crimes last month, released to a federal court last week a now-scuttled plea deal that affirmed the presidential son got millions himself from Chinese sources in 2017 and 2018 alone. Uh, That uh, report that the, well, the plea deal is listed in the show description for you guys to take a look at, but it included money from a Chinese energy firm, as well as legal payments from a Chinese executive convicted of bribery. That word just keeps coming up around this family. The records confirm reporting from investigative author Peter Schweitzer's book, Red Handed, and investigations by Congress that date to 2020 when Senators Ron Johnson and Chuck Grassley revealed bank transfers from Beijing to Biden accounts. Lawmakers said last week that the size of the payments from communist China and Joe Biden's efforts to conceal them raise larger questions about whether the money to his family caused the president to take actions like refusing to shoot down a Chinese spy balloon or shuttering the FBI's main Chinese counterintelligence program that roots out spies in U.S. academia. The revelations raise questions whether Biden would be sympathetic to the concerns of other nations or individuals based on his previous relationships. Uh, Senator Scott Perry, who's a representative from Pennsylvania and a member of the House Oversight Committee that is investigating Biden family's finances, said whether that is generally viewed as being compromised when you look at China and their Thousand Talents program and other programs similar to that, where they pick key individuals or key government officials to compromise them, then the policy that would support the United States of America never happens because the individuals are compromised. (coughs) Eric Swalwell. That is what's so concerning about this, Perry said. China's Thousand Talents plan is actually how for you guys to know and why I got into podcasting in the first place. You go back and listen to episode one of Shouse in the House, You can actually hear me rant and rave about the Thousand Talents program. It was put in black and white writing right in front of Congress, and they did nothing about it. Uh, U.S. Attorney David Weiss's office in Delaware last week released the text of the Biden plea deal that Judge Mary Ellen Norica rejected, which was scrutinized by critics over its broad immunity provision. The Department of Justice was prepared to gift the younger Biden. Those payments, according to early records released by Congress, came from CEFC China Energy Company. CEFC was founded by Ye Jiangming, who had close ties to the ruling Chinese Communist Party. The group received funding from state-owned China Development Bank, and Ye was the only was also the Deputy Secretary General of the China Association for International Friendly Contact, an alleged arm of the General Political Department of the People's Liberation Army. 
Additionally, as Grassley wrote to then Attorney General William Barr in November of 2020, quoting an internal CEFC document, the company's mission was to, quote, expand cooperation in the international energy economy and contribute to the national development, that is, China's national development. Exhibit 1 also lists a $664,000 payment from a Chinese infrastructure investment company. Based on a Grassley-Johnson report released jointly in September of 2020 by the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs, which was chaired by Johnson, and the Senate Finance Committee, which was chaired by Grassley, his company is likely... CEFC Infrastructure Investment U.S. LLC. This company is a subsidiary of CEFC China Energy Company and listed Gang Wendang, which is Ye Jianming's deputy as its director. The Grassley-Johnson report claimed that almost $5 million was sent to the Hunter Biden accounts from CEFC via Hudson West III an entity set up by the younger Biden and CEFC. It's unclear if some of the money remained in the company given the discrepancy between the plea agreement and the Senate report. In 2018, Hunter Biden also received a $1 million payment for the legal representation of Patrick Ho, who was charged in the United States for violating the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act and money laundering. He was implicated and convicted in a scheme at the United Nations to bribe African officials in Chad and Uganda to acquire favorable terms for CEFC China Energy to expand its operations in Africa. Further, the plea agreement shows that Hunter Biden received $500,000 in compensation from Burisma Holdings in 2017. The Ukrainian energy company remains at the center of corruption accusations against Joe Biden. Back in 2015, Burisma Holdings pressured Hunter Biden to deal with a Ukrainian prosecutor who was investigating the firm for corruption. The prosecutor was later fired after then-Vice President Joe Biden, the point person for the Obama administration's Ukraine policy, demanded his ouster. During the 2020 presidential election, Joe Biden strenuously denied accusations that his son or family had received money from Chinese sources or that his son's business in Ukraine was improper. Nothing was unethical. Here's what the deal. With regard to Ukraine, we had this whole question about whether or not, because he was on the board, I later learned of Burisma, a company that somehow I had done something wrong, yet every single solitary person, when he was going through his impeachment, testifying under oath, who worked for him, said I did my job impeccably, Joe Biden said during the 2020 October presidential debate. I apologize that none of that makes sense. That's a direct quote from Biden. I carried out U.S. policy. Not one single solitary thing was out of line. Not a single thing. Number one, he continued, my son has not made money in terms of this thing about what you are talking about, China. I have not had 
The only guy who made money from China is this guy, and points to Trump. Since the release of the plea agreement, however, the Washington Post has given these claims for Pinocchios, saying, Now, three years later, Biden's assertions have been directly rebutted by Hunter himself through his own court testimony. Oh, good. I'm so glad the Washington Post has caught up. Otherwise, democracy would die in darkness. Am I right? Los Angeles government employees plan to shut down the city for 24 hours, joining the neighboring strikes of hotel workers, Hollywood actors, and screenwriters across the region. Hashtag hot labor summer lives on. SEIU Local 721 posted on Twitter, the platform, or I'm sorry, X, whatever, we're proud to join writers, actors, and our countless other union siblings striking for respect in Los Angeles. More than 11,000 city employees, including sanitation workers, traffic officers, and heavy-duty mechanics, will participate in the 24-hour strike, according to SEIU Local 721. The union represents more than 95,000 city and county workers across Southern California, which it says makes it the largest public sector union in the area. This is the first strike of its kind by the union in more than 40 years. Local 721 said its members are going on strike over, quote, bad faith bargaining by Los Angeles management. Despite repeated attempts by city workers to engage management in a fair bargaining process, the city has flat out refused to honor previous engagements at the bargaining table, prompting workers to file unfair labor practice charges with the City of Los Angeles Employee Relations Board. The union said the charges include the failure to bargain in good faith over hundreds of proposals at the table, sending negotiators to the table without authority to bargain, the restriction of union access to work sites, and retaliation against union leaders organizing at their work sites. We're striking for respect, plain and simple. And if we don't get it, we'll shut it down, the union wrote. Los Angeles Mayor Karen Bass, or Bass, however you say her name, reassured residents that the city will not shut down due to the strike in a statement issued Monday. She also said that the city government is available to bargain. The city of Los Angeles is not going to shut down, she said. My office is implementing a plan ensuring no public safety or housing and homelessness emergency operations will be impacted by this action. Like I said over the weekend, the city will always be available to make progress with SEIU 721, and we will continue bargaining in good faith. In a separate statement issued Saturday, Bass said that the Los Angeles was available to make progress 24 hours a day, seven days a week. City workers are vital to the function of services for millions of Angelinos every day and to our local economy. They deserve fair contracts, and we have been bargaining in good faith with SEIU since January, she said in a statement at the time. Y'all, I have read this chapter of Atlas Shrugged, and it does not go well. Ugh, 
You know what else isn't going well? Saudi state-run oil giant Aramco announced on Monday a reported $30 billion in second quarter profit, which is unfortunately a 40% decline from the same period the previous year that it attributed to lower oil prices. The total sales stood at just over $106 billion, down from $150 billion in the second quarter of 2022. In an earnings report filed with the Saudi Stock Exchange, Aramco said the decrease mainly reflected the impact of lower crude price crude oil prices and weakening refining and chemical margins. The company reported net income of $30 billion compared to $48 billion in the second quarter of 22, a decline of 37.8%. Aramco nevertheless raised its dividend paid out to investors to $29.38 billion compared to $18.8 billion in the second quarter of 22. The performance-based dividend is partly based on the company's record earnings last year, it said. Our strong results reflect our resilience and ability to adapt through market cycles, Aramco CEO Amin Nasser said in a statement accompanying the report. The company's shares rose 1.08% on Monday. Last week, Fortune magazine ranked Aramco, officially known as the Saudi Arabian oil company, the second biggest company in the world by revenue, behind only Walmart and ahead of Amazon and Apple. The ranking came after the oil company reported a profit of over $160 million in 2022, the largest ever recorded by a publicly traded firm. Those kinds of earnings will come under heightened scrutiny later this year when the United Arab Emirates, another major oil producer, hosts annual UN climate talks aimed at getting the world to slash emissions and reduce its reliance on fossil fuels. Aramco benefited from a spike in oil prices last year caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Internationally traded oil peaked at over $120 a barrel in June of 22, before settling in a range of $75 to $85 for much of the past year. The International Monetary Fund estimates that Saudi Arabia needs an oil price of around $80 a barrel to avoid running a deficit. Benchmark U.S. crude oil for September delivery rose 1.27 to 82.82, to 82.82, a barrel on Friday. Brent crude for October rose $1.10 to 86.24 a barrel. Aramco raised a record $29.4 billion through an initial 2019 public offering in which it sold a tiny sliver of less than 2% of the company to investors. Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, Saudi Arabia's day-to-day ruler and the architect of Vision 2030, has transferred 8% of Aramco to the kingdom's $700 billion sovereign wealth fund over the past two years to help it shore up its funds as it funds the massive infrastructure projects. Guess what that means for you and me? Since we haven't refilled our strategic petroleum reserve, 
are not buying oil from Russia, and we are not turning the drills on full blast here. That means it's only going to get worse. Uh, Portia Woodruff was getting her two children ready for school on the morning of February 16th when six police officers showed up at her doorstep and presented her with an arrest warrant alleging robbery and carjacking. Woodruff initially believed the officers were joking given her visibly pregnant state. She was arrested. Miss Woodruff later discovered that she was implicated as a suspect through a photo lineup that was shown to the victim of a robbery and carjacking following an unreliable facial recognition match. The robbery victim told police that on January 29th, he met a woman whom he had sexual intercourse with. At some point in the day, they went to a BP gas station where the woman interacted with several individuals, according to the lawsuit. I don't know what that means, and I'm not entirely sure that I want to. They then left for another location where the victim was robbed and carjacked at gunpoint by a man whom the woman had interacted with earlier at the gas station. The victim told police his phone was returned to the gas station two days later. The lawsuit, filed Thursday in U.S. District Court for Eastern Michigan, names Detective LaShantia Oliver, who was assigned the case as a defendant. When Oliver learned that a woman had returned the victim's phone to the gas station, she ran facial technology on the video at the gas station which identified her, Woodruff, as the suspect. Um, Detective Oliver stated in detail in her report what she observed in the video footage and that there was no mention of the female suspect being pregnant. You mean to tell me the officer didn't do her due diligence to investigate and get all necessary information prior to requesting a warrant, and the judge signed off on the warrant before being presented with at least circumstantial evidence. That would imply that the justice system is getting lazy. That can't be true, right? The victim was also shown a lineup of potential suspects and identified Woodruff as the woman he was with when he was robbed. Oliver used an eight-year-old picture of Woodruff in the lineup from an arrest in 2015, despite having access to her current driver's license. Woodruff, uh, nope, just kidding. Uh, On the day Woodruff was arrested, she and her fiancé urged officers to please check the warrant to confirm whether the woman who committed the crime was pregnant, which... They refused to do, the lawsuit alleges. Woodruff was charged with robbery and carjacking and released from the Detroit Detention Center at around 7 p.m. on a $100,000 personal bond. Her fiancé took her to a medical center where she was diagnosed with a low heart rate due to dehydration and was told she was having contractions from stress related to the incident. On March 6th, 
the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office dropped the case. Wait for it. For insufficient evidence, according to the lawsuit. In a statement Sunday, the prosecutor's office said the case was dismissed, which emphasizes that a judge made the final decision, not prosecutors. The prosecutor's office said the warrant that led to Woodruff's arrest was on solid ground. Sure it was. The warrant was appropriate, based on facts. Mm Mm-hmm. The office confirmed that facial recognition prompted police to include the plaintiff's photo in a six-pack or an array of images that a potential uh, victim would view in a warrant package. Uh, Police Chief James White said he reviewed the allegations in the lawsuit, which he said are, quote, very concerning. We're taking this matter very seriously. But we cannot comment further at this time due to the need for additional investigation. We will provide further information once additional facts are obtained and we have a better understanding of the circumstances. In other words, y'all fucked up. Okay. Uh, But also, can we just touch really briefly on the fact that facial recognition software was used from a video at a gas station. Have you seen some of the videos at gas stations? Unless they were operating with some Gucci 4K high definition CCTV, I'm having a really hard time understanding why this was justified or why it was even allowed in the first place. Okay, that is your Tuesday edition of everything yesterday this morning. I hope you guys take care. Have a wonderful Tuesday. If you enjoyed the show, Please like, share, subscribe. What really helps me out tremendously is reviews on iTunes. If you guys don't mind taking just a few moments to go do that, I would really appreciate it. And then also, as always, Palmetto State Armory, please go check out those links in the description. And I will shut up now and hope that you guys have a great day. Take care. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.